Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined as always by Jacob Unruh. We're in the Oklahoman Mobile Podcast Studio. Just visited with some Oklahoma State players this evening. Very productive night with the uh, with the players. It was good talking to them. It was. It was a fun night. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of that. Get into a little bit of uh, Missouri State, and then uh, and then turn uh, turn our focus ahead to uh, to the Tulsa game this weekend. So, lots to cover on this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. Uh, Jacob, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Missouri State. Actually, we'll start with this. I don't know if they drew straws for which offensive lineman had to come talk to us tonight, but uh, unfortunately for Jake Springfield, he ended up being the guy. Man, and that, I felt bad for it. That poor guy. Like, yeah. We didn't kill him. I mean, we you know, we no. didn't come at him with, you know, we we weren't yelling angry questions mm-hmm. at him or anything like that, but he had to answer for some struggles. And, yeah. you know, he's the one of the young guys on the line, former walk-on. Right. You know, and he gets sent in front of us to answer for the offensive line struggles. That's just... Man, I hope someone buys him some food for that. Or something <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because man, he deserves he deserves some barbecue or some wings or something. Something good. Speaking of wings, what, what were what were the uh, the wings from Louis that they were talking about? That was apparently like black some, and something. Black and something. I we'll don't have to know. Go back they, and listen to that. Uh, Devin Harper, very uh, very big on on those wings from Louis that I, are apparently an off menu item. I yeah, secret menu at Louis. I had no idea existed. Right. Exactly. Um, who knew? Learn and all sorts of things. I, I don't know. That's why I've been to Louis, anyways. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a staple up here in Stillwater. We don't get to uh, check it out as often in the in the city. I don't we know. Don't, it's we don't, a staple up here. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't have one real closely located. I guess there's one out uh, not too far from us, but yeah, not as convenient as uh, as it is for the folks up here. So, um, let's uh, move on from food discussions, and uh, unless one of those people like Louise wants to sponsor the podcast, we'll talk about food a whole lot. We'll talk about your secret menu. Right. We'll make it not so secret. Exactly. Um, I remember that I always liked the food at Louis. I always it's liked good. it. It's good. Uh, but we'll move on. Uh, touch on Missouri State just a little bit. If you want to get uh, some more in-depth thoughts on the Missouri State game, you can listen to our post-game podcast, which uh, should be available to uh, to be found fairly easily on Twitter. Or uh, if you're not subscribing, you should be. That way you got them delivered straight to you and make it nice and easy. But um, we discussed Missouri State in depth uh, on Saturday night after the game. Uh, that was uh, Jenny Carlson and I. Jenny filling in for Jacob while he went and uh, did some other fun things, work-related fun things. Yeah. Um, but uh, so with that, Jacob, I'll give you a chance to uh, to share your thoughts on the Missouri State game. I, I'm guessing it's uh, probably the same uh, the same things that uh, that stuck out to you that that stuck out to Jenny and I. But I'll give you the chance to uh, to to share your thoughts on that game. Um, the abbreviated version, the defense I thought was excellent mm-hmm. overall. Um, the offensive line was the opposite of excellent. Yeah. Uh, unless it was pass protection. Mm-hmm. I thought they did really well in the pass protection. Right. Um, I was more impressed with the young receivers than I think the coaching staff was. Seemed that way. I was a little surprised at uh, at the way that they uh, the way they talked about those guys. Yeah, they acted like they made more mistakes than I saw. Um, granted, I'm not a coach by any means, um, but I thought overall they you know they they performed well. They showed a lot of bright spots as receivers that made me think, um, "Holy cow! Watch out in the next year or two. This receiving group is going to be right. excellent." 
Um, I thought Shane Ellingworth played well overall. Yeah. Um, just the offensive line is really what stuck out to me the most as far as the negative goes. I have already. I mean, it's only uh, it's only Tuesday. I've run out of words to describe the uh, the run game in general. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's indescribable at this point. To yeah, me. it was really uh, really bad to be uh, to be that bad against a uh, an FCS opponent. And I understand they're uh, they're a talented team and uh, a lot of transfers in and and all those things that uh, make it so you don't really know just how good this team might be. But still, to not be able to, to get any push, open up some holes, make guys miss, um, to be underprepared, uh, as, as Mike Gunny suggested in some scenarios uh, in his press conference on Monday, was, uh, was a little surprising to me and, uh, and, and continues to be. We'll see what they can do. Um, you know, Oklahoma State averaged 1.9 yards per carry, and the Tulsa defense to this point is giving up 1.9 yards per carry, uh, having just played UC Davis. Now they give up 300 yards plus through the air, which Oklahoma State also had against Missouri State. Uh, the stats were eerily similar when I looked at the two games. That's weird. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of odd. But um, now UC Davis is obviously an, another FCS opponent and, and shouldn't be. Uh, you know, discussed on the same level as Oklahoma State, but the Tulsa defense is definitely the strongest at at, at stopping the run. I'm kind of getting ahead here, but uh, but but that's uh, that's the thing that's got to be concerning about this uh, about these struggles for the offensive line and and the run game in general. Uh, just that uh, that you're getting ready to face a team and and really increasingly from from here on out, teams that are better against the run than Missouri State was. So it's uh, it's a little bit concerning. Um, you mentioned Shane Illingworth. Um, we, uh, we don't know for sure at this point, although signs point to yes, uh, Spencer Sanders will play. Um, we don't know for sure at this point. Um, but uh, but talk a little bit more about, about what you saw from, from Shane. I thought that he uh, managed the offense well, especially early, uh, missed some throws late. That uh, made his mistakes look a little bit more glaring mm-hmm. than uh, than than maybe they would have been if it had been a different scenario. So, um, but uh, but your thoughts on on Shane Ellingworth's performance? I th- I thought he looked way more comfortable yeah. than last year. Yeah. Um, now, granted, I was thinking, you know, I covered one game in person last year, <laughs> right. and it wasn't a Shane Ellingworth game. That's right. And so, um, this is the first time I've seen him live in person, <laughs> not just on TV. And he looked more comfortable than I remembered. Um, his throws were very easy and smooth, it felt like. like um, I thought he made the right decisions for the most part. Um, I'm still torn on what happened on his interception. Um, we kind of asked after the game, and he basically said, like, well, just made a bad throw. Well, it didn't answer the question if he missed Presley <laughs> right. or underthrew. That was Jaden Bray, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, you know that was kind of a in between. Like how bad? Like like what happened there? I was just kind of really curious about that because um, at first I thought it was just a really bad decision, but then when Brandon Whedon on the broadcaster was talking about he overthrew Presley, it didn't seem like such a bad decision to me anymore. Right. And yeah, Presley was wide open on the play. And, yes, and, and so a completely you, different situ- you just situation. The guy, but so I don't know. Um, I thought overall though, I thought he played well. He did what he needed to do. Um, 
I mean, they were up 20 to nothing at one point. You thought they were going right. to roll, and a lot of that was through the air. So it's hard to knock Shane for anything. He uses a lot of receivers, and I thought he was he managed everything really well. Eight different players caught passes, uh, six of them wideouts. Um, you know, mixed it up really well. Got it. To, got the ball to a lot of different guys. Got it to running backs on a couple of occasions. So, um, you know, hard to uh, hard to fault his uh, his ability to uh, to find guys that were open. So I thought that he was solid. Now that said, if Spencer Sanders comes back this week, say uh, it it takes things to a different level in terms of what is uh, what is expected of him and um, what he brings to the table with his athleticism. So what uh, what Jacob do you think is is the most important thing that Spencer Sanders brings back to the uh, brings back to the game if he if he plays this week? Oh man, I think experience is gonna be right up there. I also think it's just mobility. There's nothing yeah. against Shane. Um, but Spencer's ability to to move um, and and to run, I think really kind of is going to help this offensive line. It's going to help the run game because now right. you've got to you've got to respect Spencer's ability to to break one and make a big play with his legs. You could have, you didn't have to worry about that with Shane, right? Um, and other than against him, but he's just not a runner. I mean, he's just a big guy that that isn't going to blow you away with his legs. He's going to be more like Mason Rudolph than right. And then Spencer Sanders, and and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just for this offensive line right now, I think you need that ability to go and move the pocket, move move around, and do things um, to really kind of help out. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and it uh, at the same time makes one more person that has to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes one uh, one less set of eyes off of, uh, or takes one set of eyes off of the running back, and has them fixated on the quarterback. So that uh, that gives. It's one less man that uh, that has to be missed by uh, whoever's running the ball. So it's really important what he uh, what he gives this offense, and I, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be helpful for the run game. I think that the offensive line is going to improve. Uh, I think that there were uh, there were some I don't want to say first game jitters, but uh, first game uh, miscommunications along the offensive line. Guys that uh, that weren't entirely familiar with uh, with with what they needed to be doing, and I think those things will be addressed uh, throughout this uh, this week of practice for the for the Cowboys. Jake Springfield certainly seemed to uh, indicate the uh, some of those similar thoughts in uh, in what he had to say. Um, very uh, very focused. Which uh, Jake's a pretty laid back dude anyway, so he, he wasn't going to get real uh, real fired up about anything. But no, um, but he seemed very focused and uh, and very positive in terms of what the offensive line can do to uh, to correct its mistakes and 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 get things going back in the uh, in the right direction. You know, I thought about this running game a little bit earlier too, and this isn't necessarily an offensive line angle, but I'm curious what would happen if Des Jackson had not fumbled. Right, because he seemed to be kind of bringing a spark. It seemed that way, you know. And then he fumbles, and you know, with Gundy, with having so many options at running back, Dez wasn't going to play anymore at that right. point. But if Dez had not fumbled and stayed in the game, would he have been the spark to kind of get things going? Because he was, he was moving the ball. He was and bringing energy, and you kind of felt maybe okay, this might get going because Dez is in the game, and then he fumbled. Yep. 
and it all went away. So I was, I'm kind of curious, just just a big what if to me. What would have happened if he hadn't fumbled? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I completely agree. I think that uh, both he and uh, and Jalen Warren, who was a little bit more physical in uh, in his time running the ball, were uh, were were both pretty productive in what they were doing. Um, it showed more in uh, in the stats for mm-hmm. Des Jackson. 14 yards on three carries before he put it on the turf but um but yeah i think uh, i would definitely agree that it seemed like he was bringing something that the other two guys hadn't brought in the first half and uh, it really you know he got him he got him out of that hole when they were pinned down deep in their own territory mm-hmm. got him out uh, out of that and then was out there around midfield and uh, and like i said put the ball on the carpet which you uh you cannot do if you want to play for Mike Gundy. He's nope. uh, he is really quick to. Uh, he's got a quick hook for guys who put the who turn the ball over. He so. he had the quick hook to Chuba against McNeese State two years ago. <laughs> that's right. You know, and that's Chuba, and that was the year that he was Eisman contender. So yeah, Des Jackson's not going to get any favors out of Gundy on that. No. Um, moving on to the uh, we talked a little bit about the receivers earlier. I thought that uh, that Tay Martin showed what he is going to be this year. I, I'm really impressed with this kid, and I think that he's going to have a uh, a big time year, Jacob. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's every. I think he's better than advertised already in that one game. And I know it's Missouri State, but I just, you know, you, you there's so much hype around him, and you felt like, you know, who's going to replace Tylen? And this is the guy everyone kept pointing to, and. He went out there and just played through a, a pretty tough ankle injury, it sounded like. Right. And I mean, he had to get x-rays. Yeah. And, you know, played through that, still made big plays, looked on, you know, looked unguardable against corners. Right. For, you know, and, and then he's well-spoken and says really thoughtful stuff to us. Yeah. And really good stuff about life about football everything and he's always got a smile it seems like when he's talking it's just really hard not to like this guy yeah absolutely he's uh, he's very insightful when he when we get the chance to talk to him and uh very knowledgeable and he had a really tough week uh off the field yeah uh with his family being in uh, from home louisiana uh, they had uh, evacuated before hurricane ida hit but the uh the roof of their house was torn off by the hurricane while they were in Houston, um, really uh, difficult situation, and it was it was fun to listen to him tell the story about getting back into uh, the locker room after the game, seeing the text messages from his family, and and knowing that he had uh, brought a little bit of a bright spot to them in a, uh, a really tough situation. So, really, uh, really a tough week, and uh, and impressive for him to uh, to maintain focus throughout that and come out on the other side. Uh, of course, to listen him to him talk about going through hurricanes, it it made you feel like it was uh, it was second nature, which I assume it probably is a little bit. Yeah. To uh, to folks from New Orleans, probably the way that uh, that Oklahomans talk about tornadoes, um, similar uh, similar kind of opinions on the uh, on the matter. So, uh, really, uh, really impressive for him to come through the way that he did in a uh, in a tough situation. All right, let's uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Actually, one more thing on the receivers. This was uh, where I was originally going with the entire uh, the entire uh, point that I was trying to make on the uh, on the subject. Cornerback seemed to be one area, uh, the secondary in general, 
that Tulsa really struggled. As I mentioned, UC Davis had over 300 yards through the air. Um, that seemed to be somewhere that uh, that Oklahoma State could attack. We got to talk to Brendan Presley. Didn't talk to him a lot about Tulsa-specific things tonight, but uh, we did get to speak to him. And um, it just feels like this could be a big game, regardless of who is, uh, who is slinging the rock back there. It feels like it could be a big game for the Oklahoma State receivers against Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who Tulsa's going to try to defend Tay Martin. Right. And then, you know, Jaden Bray made plays, and Brayton Johnson made some plays. And then you've got to worry about Brennan in the in the slot. And um, Bryson Green looked good, I thought. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's so many weapons now that OSU has there already, you feel like. I mean, one game in the season, we'll see how these guys go as competition gets tougher. But, you know, that, that lines up really well for Spencer or Shane. Um, to really go out there, and you're encouraged by the way the offensive line pass protected, obviously. So right. it's it's that seems like where OSU's going to attack most. But I'm also not going to be surprised if Gundy goes out there and tries to do a 50-50 split and really establish a run game moving forward. Yeah, yeah. You want these guys to start feeling some confidence, and if he uh, feels a little bit of uh, uh, of uh, of movement in that ground game early on. He could very well uh, try to punch it uh, a little harder and see what is there in terms of uh, trying to build some confidence in this group in the uh, in the rushing attack. So that could definitely happen. I think we're going to see all four running backs this week instead of just three. I think um, it could be possible to see three, but it's a different a different set of three. Uh, yeah. You know, Des Jackson might have uh, he might be at the bottom of the list right now. We'll see how quickly he gets out of the uh, out of the doghouse. Yeah. But uh, I definitely think we'll see Dominic Richardson on the field uh, this uh, this time around. It, that was just uh, seemed like um, you know they uh, they kind of wanted to start out with with LD and Jalen Warren early and uh, and try to keep those other guys preserved, and it just didn't work out that uh, that Richardson got in the mix. But I feel like uh, I feel like you'll definitely see him this week. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, got Mike. Mike basically said it like we, we weren't they weren't running the ball well enough, so he didn't see any reason to put Dominic in there. Right, and it's hard to fault him on that at the same time too. Um, I guess if you're going to abandon the run, why throw another guy out there? Right. So I don't know, but it was you know it was um, it was strange not seeing it. They talked about four running backs all spring, all fall camp, and then you don't see one guy play. Right. So. Um, but only 25 carries by by running backs on uh, on yeah. Saturday. You had uh, 28 carries in all, but two of those were credited to the quarterback. One was uh, one was kneeling. I guess 24 because there was also the Braden Johnson reverse. Yep. For uh, for one. Uh, Do more of that. That worked. That did. That <laughs> that was the longest run of the night for Oklahoma State. 13 yard carry on the on a reverse by Braden Johnson. So um, we'll see how much they uh, they continue to mix that kind of stuff in into. Uh, into the game, the game plan. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, I thought that uh, I thought, like you said, they were really strong um, across the board. They were good on third down again. Um, you know, they uh, they did the things that they needed to do to uh, to get off the field. Uh, still think they would like to see more turnovers. I predicted I predicted five in my wild prediction. They did not get there. They did not. Uh, but I think that. That's a number that Jim Knowles wants to see increase over what they did a year ago. 
you know, they only had 16 takeaways last year in 11 games. I think that uh, that number is is too low for uh, for Jim Knowles in in his opinion. So we'll if, see what if they. If Malcolm uh, would have caught the ball, that's right. That's they right. Had another one. Another pick right there in his hands. <laughs> but the he's one a wrestler. Mistake Malcolm did all night. Right. <laughs> Wrestler, wrestlers aren't used to catching uh, things yeah. that get, get thrown at them. He did. He did have a nice hip toss. I don't know if you saw the. I, I've seen that the, video. The video around, that it's hip been toss, moving yeah. around. That was uh, impressive. That was a big dude that he tossed over. I think he weighs him by like fifty pounds or something. I just I believe him. it. I believe it for sure. Um, any uh, anything any concerns that stuck out to you about the defense, uh, whether it's uh, from last week or uh, or moving forward into the Tulsa game? I'm just curious about the pass rush. Um, yeah, you lose Trace Ford for the season. Um, you got other guys out. Um, I'm just kind of concerned about that a little bit. Right. Um, but with that said, Brock Martin is going to be steady in right. that position. Um, he's going to be excellent against the run, and mm-hmm. then you bring Colin Oliver to go in pass situations more. I think he's a little closer to Trace in that ability, and so I think. Um, I think they're going to be okay, but I'm still really curious to see how that develops. Ben Kapinski mixing in a little bit there, along with Tyron Irby. Kapinski, it was interesting hearing Gundy talk about uh, talk about him. He's a a junior walk on. Uh, Basically, if not for uh, if not for the COVID year that that sort of retaught Gundy how to uh, how to manage practice reps among the first, second, and third team, might not have even known what he had in Ben Kapinski because uh, he might have just been buried on the scout team and never gotten a chance to, to really show himself. But because they were preparing guys deeper down the roster last season during the COVID year, they they got a look at, at guys that uh, that wouldn't have normally been getting a look in practice. And, and Kopinski is one of those guys that, uh, that elevated himself in, uh, in terms of what he, uh, what he showed he can do. And he's a guy with some speed off of the ball. And uh, can mix in there, and then you, uh, like I said, throwing Colin Oliver as well, a true freshman from Edmond Santa Fe, and uh, and your uh, your depth is a little bit better than uh, than than maybe it would be in a uh, in a normal year at that position. But um, still, the loss of Trace Ford is uh, is 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 really big for this team. They he's, he's just so dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I I I really. I'm no, I'm not a draft expert. I'm getting a little bit better, obviously, but I not. I th- I always picture first round with Trace, yeah, and maybe second round. You know, one of the you know early rounds for Trace, and this second knee injury is going to be tough. Um, but it's this season especially tough for a defense that was really built on all these returning guys, and you lose a guy like that, then go in and just wreak havoc wherever he's at. Um, you know that's just such a huge loss. Yeah, it is, and it and it's such an important position. I mean, he's their best pass rusher, mm-hmm. uh, the most uh, the most explosive guy off the ball that they've got at that edge rusher position. So, uh, really a uh, really a, a painful loss, and you hate it for for a kid to see him go through that. Back to back years now, two, two torn ACLs since since December. Yeah, that's just that's really rough to see. I can't imagine the idea that you're coming back from the one and then you tear the other. I mean, that's just that's hard. I really feel for Trace. And and so close to the game as well. Yeah. You're right there getting ready to, to go play again for the first time 
and uh, and have a chance to be back out on the field and then to uh, to tear it again as as he did is uh, a really difficult thing to watch so um, moving on from uh, from trace Ford and, and his impact though lots of guys on this defense that are uh, are still ready to uh, to help step in we got to visit with Devin Harper tonight and he was a, uh, a really um, he played better than uh, better than I expected. Not that I didn't expect him to play well, but he was just he was all over the place. He was. Um, that it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I I thought he'd play well, but I didn't know that he could be all over the place like he was. Because I mean, he's played in the past, just limited, and so you don't get a lot chance to see him. I mean, yeah, he was behind Amon Ogbogwamiga. What do you mean, right? Guys in the NFL now, it's hard to to fault them for not putting him on the field that much. And he's been hurt at times and. And stuff, but yeah, I thought if he keeps playing like that and Malcolm plays like they are, their linebacker spot's going to be really good. Yeah, um, you get to just see the confidence in Devin when he talks to us. Right, exactly. And then you uh, then you mix in some of the backups that played. I mean, Cameron Farrar had a big play. Mm-hmm. Mason Cobb had a, had a couple of big hits. Um, he was out of position on a couple of plays, but yeah. um, but made up for it with uh, with the sack in particular. Early, early in the game, I thought you could tell Mason hasn't been in a game before because <laughs> right. he just looked a little confused, um, a little overwhelmed. But then he settled down and played well. Yeah, he did, and you can see what they uh, what they really like about him and what he brings to the table. So, going to be interesting to to watch the development of some young guys as they try to mix them in with so many seniors on this team, and not knowing who, uh, other than the six year seniors, the super seniors. Uh, who's going to be uh, electing to uh, return next year? It's really important to see uh, them getting some experience for these young guys because uh, if you if you don't do that, you're uh, you're coming back with you know ten new starters a year from now, and that's a uh, a really scary situation to be in. So, really important to get these guys as much action as they can in uh, in live game situations. And I think you'll continue to see that. Um, not only because they need it, but because these guys are talented enough. Um, Tanner McAllister, who we spoke with tonight, uh, is uh, is one of those seniors, and he was uh, he was talking about the play of the cornerbacks, Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black, mm-hmm. who came in behind the starters, and uh, and how well they played. So, really, uh, really important to get that action for those guys, and I think you'll see a lot of guys rotating in again this week to. Uh, to keep them uh, gaining gaining some experience and gaining some uh, real-world knowledge of what it's going to take to be part of this defense a year from now. All right. Um, what uh, what stuck out to you that we haven't already discussed from uh, from Tuesday night's interview sessions, Jacob? Hmm. Brennan, yeah. Brennan Presley was a lot of fun. He's Brennan always, Presley was he's always fun. fun. Now, uh, one thing about him, he, he, he seems to look – there's always something a little bit different every time he comes in. He always looks a little bit different. His hair is always different. His usually. hair is always different. Sometimes he has the glasses. Sometimes he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Always uh, a little change just to keep us off balance, I yeah. think. He's definitely doing it for us. I enjoyed your question. You asked if he's always been the smallest player <laughs> on the field. Yes. Because um, he was like, yes. <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. I don't know what to say here. And he pointed out that you know in high school there's always – the tiny freshman on the sideline, but uh, right. on the field, field he's always been the smallest guy. Um, yeah, and he went, he expanded on that. I thought that was really good. Um, I thought that when someone uh, brought up the punt return that he had for negative yards the other night, where he ran 
all over the field in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, trying to beat six guys was uh, interesting. And he said that you know the reaction on the sideline was, you're not in high school anymore, which is essentially <laughs> what I said in the press box out loud <laughs> right. at the time. I said, hey, these guys are better than, than Bixby's opponents. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and so uh, slightly better at least. And yeah. uh, I thought that was funny. It kind of vindicated my uh, smart, smart aleck response to that play. Yeah, Brennan was uh, was entertaining. I uh, I think you're going to continue to see. Um, I think I think he kind of set the baseline on Saturday. He didn't uh, didn't go crazy, but he set the baseline for what you're going to see from him. And I think it's only going to continue to uh, to get better from there. Here's a spoiler: what you're going to see from him. You're not going to see a lot of fair catches. <laughs> no, you're just not. I mean, unless he gets a direct order to fair catch the ball. Yes. Even then, I still think he may just say, yeah, I think I'm going to try it. Right. <laughs> so you're not going to see a lot of fair catches from him. No. Um, Tanner McAllister was uh, was good in talking about a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was a lot of fun to, to chat with. He had already been to the cold tub, yeah. which uh, which was impressive. Felt, uh, felt a little bit bad for him having already gone through that and then having to deal with us. But, yeah. no uh, but he handled he it well. To us. No. But that's okay. He yeah. was he was the last one in, and uh, there was plenty of time for him to uh, to hit the cold tub before he came and, uh, and visited with us. Was that the Queen of England we just that passed? Was, yeah, we just passed a car with the Queen of England on this on a window. I I, I, I don't know what's going on. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's wild. All right. Well, uh, anything else from uh, from Tuesday's interview session? No, I think I mean we covered a lot of it. Um, again, props to Jake Springfield for standing in front of the firing squad, yeah, um, and and answering every question. And you know, we like I said, we didn't go at him too hard, but uh, you know, it, props to him. Yeah, it was a tough situation to be in, and uh, I'm surprised honestly that they sent an offensive lineman to talk to us. Period. Yeah, um, kind of uh, kind of caught me off guard when uh, when I saw that come out on the list of. Uh, Interview subjects. So it would have been nice to have the documentary going like on ESPN Plus last year to see Josh Seal's reaction to this. <laughs> right, that would have been nice. Yeah. Yes, I, I hope he didn't throw things. Oof. All right, and then we'll close it with uh, with my favorite segment, the most important thing I forgot. Anything there, Jacob? Most important thing we you had, forgot. We didn't talk about Tom Hutton, but I talked about him plenty in the post game. You podcast. did okay. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, you know, I think it's just. Uh, it's good to have football back. It is. And and feel somewhat normal. It's not 100% normal, but it's very, very close. Right. Um, I would when agree. you hear of kind of precautions elsewhere and stuff, it's, you know, OSU seems normal. So that was nice. It has been. It's been very nice. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate and, the work that people are putting in. And props to Sean and his crew for figuring out ways to get us players and stuff. Yes, and, uh, absolutely. And I don't know if they listen to this, but if they do, props to Sean and his crew for, for helping us out as much as they are. Absolutely. We uh, we appreciate it greatly. So, And we appreciate it greatly that you have listened to the entire 30-ish minutes of the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. We'll talk to you after the Colts game.